Previously on Space Train, Doug and the cadets headed to Earth in hopes of beating the rocket man to the prospective students. But when they reached the first pickup, as they feared, the students had already been taken by the rocket man. Doug has been secretly getting advice from the doctor, who had warned him this might happen. As the train neared the dark side of the moon, the rocket man's fish ship appeared and attacked. Doug took matters into his own hands. He mind-built a mini fish ship and flew towards the fist mothership, but not before Lydia could climb aboard with him. And now for Season 2, Episode 14, The Rocket Man. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. It's time to be the hero. Doug could hear Lydia's breathing in the darkness. He could tell she was scared. Heck, he was scared. He couldn't believe he'd just flown into the rocket man's fish ship. Doug, Lydia started to say, but she was interrupted by bright lights flashing outside the cockpit. They could see now they were in a large hangar full of fist bots. One of the bots scurried over on its mechanical fingers and knocked on the door. Doug got up to answer it. Wait, Lydia stopped him. Are you sure about this? No turning back now. Doug pressed a button on the ceiling and the cockpit door opened. Almost immediately, two fist bots flew over, grabbed hold of his arms and held them behind his back. Hey, Lydia tried to pry them off. Lydia, it's okay. Lydia stopped. She too was seized by a couple of fist bots that jetted over and held her arms behind her. Ah, not so tight, she growled. One of the hundreds of remaining bots in the hangar beckoned for them to follow with its index finger. Doug and Lydia obeyed, following the hands as they skittered across the floor like big silvery spiders. They exited the hangar and turned down a long hallway. Doug could feel the sting of his arms being pulled back too far. He was amazed at how strong the fistbots were. They were much more intimidating when they were up close like this. Even when he'd had his lights punched out by one, he hadn't really gotten a good look at it. And when they were rocketing around in a clenched fist, they seemed more like missiles. Now, as Doug looked around at the armchair-sized hands, each one moving along the floor at its own pace, it felt like they were intelligent life forms. He turned his attention to Lydia. Did you really see yourself coming with me? He whispered as they walked. Lydia hesitated. No. No? Doug tried to stop to face her, but the bots pushed him on. Who cares? Lydia shot back. 
I'm here, and it's like you said, there's no turning back. Doug shook his head. Wow, now you're making up visions? Is this your new thing, motivating us with fake visions? Don't stop it. It's one little white lie. I knew you would have pushed me away from that ship if I hadn't said it. You're gonna need the help. So, what's the plan? Who says I have a plan? Douglas Colt, you better have thought past building a pod and flying over here. Why does everyone assume I've got a plan? I've got some ideas, maybe. Great, Lydia rolled her eyes. The bot stopped them just outside a door. Is there anything else I should know before we go in there? Doug raised his eyebrows at her. Lydia flushed. What? No, why would there be something I needed to... Like something that's about to happen? Doug prompted. Oh, um... Preferably something real? Lydia glowered at him. The visions are real, okay? Jeez. I'm not getting any images, but I tried to see earlier, and I didn't see us dead, so that's good. Doug nodded. I'll take it. One of the fist bots typed into the pad next to the door, making it slide open. They stepped into the control room. A panoramic view of space spanned the far wall, which was the inside of the giant fist's four front knuckles. It was incredible. Each knuckle bump out was a clear window, with a series of control panels where fistbots sat typing. From the passing stars and nebula out the wide windows, Doug could see that they were traveling through space. He hoped that the train wasn't far behind. The rocket man stood near the center knuckle with his back to them, arms folded behind him. I knew we'd eventually get to me like this. He turned around and smiled at them with his perfectly sculpted face. His purple buzzed hair had even more curving designs than the last time they'd seen him. His bulking arms twitched with muscle, ballooning out either side of his brass chestplate. Pardon the escort. They can be a little touchy sometimes. He pressed a few buttons on his huge metal gloves. Then, with a dismissive wave, the fistbots released Doug and Lydia and scurried off. You know, he continued, had you just asked to come aboard from the get-go, I would have rolled out the red carpet. I was hoping we wouldn't have to, Doug admitted. But here we are. The rocket man rubbed his huge metal fists together. Here you are. Of course, I know why you did it. Why you mind-built a cute little fish ship to come talk to me. Nice touch, by the way. And why's that? Lydia asked. To talk me out of doing what I'm doing. Can we? Doug asked. Heck no, the rocket man laughed. The show's just getting started. Doug could see his own glaring face in the rocket man's shining chestplate. Where are the students? Ah, uh, uh, they aren't your students yet, Doug. They're just a bunch of scared kids who have no idea what they've been thrown into. What makes you think they'll want to come to your stupid academy anyway? So far, most of the kids have agreed to join us, Lydia said irritably. Why don't you give us a chance to talk to them and we'll find out what they want? The rocket man smirked. Nah, our time will be better used elsewhere. He turned back around and looked out at the passing stars and planets. You're making this too easy for me coming here, you know. You focus the lens back on me. 
All I have to do is reach out and grab it. He nodded to a nearby fistbot. Scan the outer perimeter for any craft following us. Get the claws ready for capture. Doug hoped the space train wasn't too close. He didn't want it to be captured or damaged because of him. Where did you get the list of prospective students? The rocket man turned back around and flapped his hand like a mouth. The list, the list, the list. Oh no, he has the list. Give me a break, kid. Half the baddies out there have a copy of that list. Everyone wants a genius kid working for him. They're cheap and productive. I had help. The only reason I was able to actually get to him was because, unlike so many others, I had the resources. You and I take for granted the privilege of owning a nice ship. Lydia stepped forward. So what? You've been chasing us around, making our missions more difficult because you wanted attention? Did you not get enough of that back at the Academy? Maximus Hedrum? The rocket man cringed at the sound of his real name. Scowling, he held up his hand like a huge metal claw. I've crushed armies with this hand, little girl. I've broken entire fleets, mangled the fiercest machines, and snapped the wheels of the greatest civilizations with this hand. But did anyone witness it? No. Why would they when they were too busy watching the space train pipsqueak zip around the universe spreading cheer? The Academy. <laughs> what do you know about it? You haven't even attended. You've been so busy flying around trying to reopen it that you haven't stopped to ask yourself if you should. No doubt Goro has told you what a wonderful place it is. He would. In reality, it was a toxic school where teachers pinned students against each other. Teachers that we trusted used our gifts for their own gain. They were no better than the ghouls out there trying to get their hands on your list. I was foolish enough to fall for it. When Goro started recruiting his team of gifted students to make up his new wanderers, I actually wanted to be a part of it. I thought, wow, my genius could actually be put to good use. I could have a family for once and belong to something bigger. But I was overlooked. He picked your talentless sucker parents instead. They got to be a part of his elite space train experiment while I built models in the science lab and wrote research papers for lazy teachers. Why didn't you join the doctor's class of exiles then? Lydia asked. Apparently, I wasn't strong enough for them at the time. I was just a skinny little reject practically begging to be utilized in some way. But I was smarter than all of them, and now here I am using all of you for my own gain, my own glory. You are all just extras in my show. Doug looked at the fistbot that was scanning space for any following craft. So you catch us and get your hands on the space train, then what? You win? Maximus looked at him surprised and amused. I'm not after you, kid. Then I could build ten space trains tomorrow if I wanted. I wanted to show people what I'm capable of. 
to expose the space train for the fraud that it is and shine the spotlight on true greatness. But only you can help me do that. He turned to his fistbots. Have we reached Nargon? One of the fistbots gave a thumbs up and then pulled a lever, slowing the ship to a stop. As it did, a beautiful red planet came into view. A red sun loomed large in the background, and dark streaks of purple cut across the planet's surface. Maximus pointed to them. You see all that purple down there? Doug and Lydia nodded. Crystals, every inch of it. Where's the other place you've seen purple crystals? Back at the academy, Lydia answered quietly. Bingo! They store an incredible amount of energy. They power the academy and they'll power my new headquarters and production studio. That little comet outpost you broke into was just temporary. An outhouse. This, he held out his hands as if presenting the planet, is where all the magic will happen. I'll use the crystals to help power the base and store all the footage for my episodes. <laughs> Sorry, Doug interrupted. Episodes? That's right. It's time to spread the Rocketman name far and wide. The universe is ready for a new show. A new hero. It's time for me to be that hero. I'll be even more famous than you. It won't be a passing phase like your winning streak. Nah, I'm talking about real, lasting glory. Let's face it. The only reason your show got any attention this year was because of me. I was practically the director. It was my battles and traps that made the space train highlight real. If it weren't for me, you'd all be puttering around space, listening to Goro ramble on about asteroids and black holes. All I need is to get my hands on that portable studio of yours. Lydia and Doug looked at each other confused. What is he talking about? Lydia whispered. Doug shook his head. I have no idea. He spoke up. Studio? What show are you talking about? Maximus squinted at them. Are you kidding me? What show? Your show! Space Train! It's all over the universe! How do you think people have been watching scenes of your missions? How do you think you've all become famous? I don't know, Doug snapped. Maximus smiled. I do. It's that portable studio that's following you around everywhere, showing up when things get interesting. I've had my theories, but I've never been able to prove them until now. Doug's mind started piecing it together. The weird flybys of a mysterious object, the hero shots of their battles, the sketches of a missile on Maximus's computer. It wasn't a missile after all. It was... a rocket, Doug said quietly. Maximus nodded. A purple rocket. It zips around and records everything you do and then blasts it out to the masses. You're gonna help me catch it. Lydia and Doug stared in disbelief. Was it possible? Could a rocket be secretly following them around and documenting their missions? Lydia finally spoke up. 
Even if that were real, what makes you think the rock would want to follow you around? It already has. It seems the more destructive I get, the more scenes it puts me in. It's making me a star. Doug thought for a moment. If we help you catch the purple rocket, will you leave us alone? Will you release the students you've captured and stop wreaking havoc? I may not stay out of trouble completely, but I will leave the space train alone along with your bogus academy and missions. Doug, Lydia whispered, what are you doing? Just trust me. Doug looked at Maximus. I'll help you catch it. If there really is a purple rocket flying around us, we'll need something to trap it. Maximus folded his buff arms. What did you have in mind? I'll mind build a giant filter ship. We created them on Fezda 5 to suck all the pollution out of the air and filter it. If I built a more powerful version, we may be able to suck the rocket out of the air when it's within range, even if it's fast. But I'll need the help of the Academy. Something this big and strong would require the building power of the connector. Maximus rubbed under his chin. I heard about your work on Festa V. Those machines did prove incredibly effective. Their suction capabilities are long range, you say? They can be, yes. And I'll make this one even stronger. Maximus thought some more before finally shrugging his enormous shoulders. Ah, what the heck. It's worth a try. But make no mistake, if you so much as think about anything tricky, my fist bots will rain down on you and those students so fast you won't know what hit you. Understood. Can you get me in touch with the Academy? Maximus gave him a long, suspicious look before finally pulling out a communication device. What's the comm code? 57 Alpha 976. Maximus typed in the command and after a few seconds, Etho's voice sounded in the control room's intercom. Yes? Etho, it's Captain Colt. Hello, Captain. Is everything okay? It will be, but I need to ask for another favor. Get all the students hooked up to the connector. I need everyone's help with my new build. Right away. Within minutes, Etho had all of the students back at the academy hooked up to the connector. Captain, your team is ready for your instructions. Stand by. Doug looked at Maximus. Take us down to the Nargon surface. We'll build it there. Maximus passed the command on to his fistbots, who steered the ship down to the planet's red surface. The ship's huge metal fingers spread out and pressed into the red dirt as it landed. There were now five long hallways extending out of the control room where the Knuckles once were. Maximus led them down the Pinky Finger Hall. A door in the finger's tip opened and they stepped outside. The red planet's surface was stunning. Massive purple crystals jutted out of the soft red dirt in all directions. Flecks of purple crystal glittered in the red sand that blew in the breeze. Doug pointed to a clearing. We'll build it here. Send the coordinates to the Academy. Maximus took a reading of the clearing's location and sent it. Etho, Doug said. Do you have the coordinates? Coordinates received, Captain, came Etho's voice over the little comm device. Good. I want everyone to help me build a giant filter ship. 
The connector should have a record of the plans stored in its database from our build on FESDA 5. Use those along with any and all ideas your brilliant minds come up with. Let the connector combine them into a blueprint and catch any raw materials the laser can pick up on its way here. I'll take care of the rest. I've pulled up the plans and everyone here heard your orders and is ready to build. On your command, Captain. Doug looked at Lydia's worried expression. Can you see if this is a terrible idea? I'm sorry, I just keep seeing that main vision every time I try. Doug looked up at the sky. So this is it. Enough chit-chat, Maximus Ward. Build me that filter ship. Doug nodded to him. As you wish. Etho, initiate the build. Building now, Captain. For several seconds, nothing happened. Doug, Lydia, and Maximus gazed up at the sky. Doug could feel his heart racing. What if this didn't work? Their lives and the lives of the students were on the line. His eyes scanned the stars, looking desperately for some sign of the laser. Finally, Doug spotted a distant red dot among the stars. At first, it looked like a distant planet, blending in with the starscape. But it grew brighter and brighter until... Boom! A giant laser beam streaked through the sky and penetrated the clearing, kicking up a cloud of red dust. Doug could hardly look at it. It was blindingly bright, like a lightning strike frozen in time. The thick beam pulsated and hummed loudly. Tiny particles swirled around it. Doug took a deep breath, closed his eyes, and held out his hands. Somehow he could sense the materials brought in the beam. He sensed the ideas channeled from the connector. He focused on them. He adjusted and fine-tuned their plans. He made his modifications. The image was clear now. A filter ship in the shape of a giant jet engine glowed on a dark stage of his mind. He held out his hands and started the build. The creation was massive, sapping his energy quickly despite having just started. But there was help. He could feel particles being assembled alongside his. Parts and pieces screwed themselves into place. He couldn't open his eyes. Not for this build. He was taking every ounce of concentration he had. Ideas and chatter from the student's thoughts flooded his mind. He had connected with the beam. He could feel the strain and exhaustion of the students building with him from the academy. He fell to his knees, hands still outstretched, shaking. Doug, let it go. Came Lydia's faint voice. So faint it sounded like she was miles away. Doug couldn't take it anymore. It was as if weighted blanket after weighted blanket was being thrown over his head and shoulders. The pressure was unbearable. The energy radiating from this creation was already felt in the air. Another excruciating minute of crushing pressure, and it was done. The humming faded as the giant laser retracted back up into space, and Doug collapsed like a puppet being cut from its strings. Lydia ran over and put her arm around him. Doug! Doug, are you okay? Eyes closed, Doug could hear the metal groans above him as if a giant cruise ship were pulling into dock. Finally, he looked up and saw it. An enormous filter ship. It was the size of a large building and shaped like a jet engine. It cast a long shadow over the fist ship that looked like a cheap toy in comparison. 
Lydia helped Doug to his feet. You did it, she whispered. Doug, it's incredible. I only built part of it, Doug breathed. The connector did most of the work. I couldn't... I couldn't... Shh, just relax. The switch, Doug said. It's at the base. Lydia helped Doug over to a control box at the base of the filter ship. Hands trembling, Doug lifted the box cover, revealing a big red button inside. He went to push it. A giant metal glove grabbed his hand. Hold your horses, little man. Maximus stepped between the cadets and the filter ship. We only get one shot at this and I'm not about to blow it. Lydia glared at him. What are you talking about? He did what you asked. Yeah, but it won't do us any good if the rocket isn't close by. We have to attract it first. Doug looked up at him with weary eyes. How do we do that? Maximus smiled. The way I've been doing it this whole time. Action! The rocket has a thirst for excitement. Bring the action, attract the rocket. It's the bait not trap. Doug glared at him. What kind of action? The fun kind. The kind that brings the space train whistling into town. Chugga 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 choo choo! <laughs> Goro and the rest of your wannabes won't be able to help themselves. Their captain and his little princess are in distress. It'll be the perfect pilot episode for the Rocket Man show. He looked at his fist bots and typed a command into one of his gloves. Take him to the pen. No! Lydia screamed. Fist bots jetted off the ground and seized her and Doug. They jerked them roughly as they led them back onto the fist ship. Doug and Lydia squirmed under their grip, down the pinky finger hall until they reached a room. A door hissed open and the fist bots threw them inside, closing the door behind them. Doug could hear the bot's fingers clanking along the floor as they scurried away. The room was dark. Only a few dusty beams of red light cut through the blackness from a tiny window in the ceiling. Doug sat down, defeated. I don't understand. Why did he tell me to do this? Lydia squatted down next to him. Someone told you to do this? Who would... She stopped herself as it hit her. The doctor. He said if I did this build, we'd be able to stop him. And how exactly were we going to do that, Doug? Huh? We're trapped in a dungeon on the fish ship. <laughs> she scoffed. So it turns out you did have a plan. It just wasn't yours. He's been right up until now. He couldn't have known we wouldn't get to turn it on. Doug, none of this makes sense. You thought you were going to defeat the Rocket Man by building a suctioning filter ship? It's more complicated than that. I can't... Doug lowered his voice. He might be listening. Lydia had heard enough. You should have told Goro. You should have been honest with him from the beginning. I know. Doug and Lydia stared intensely at each other for a long moment. Lydia folded her arms. I trusted you. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry I'm not Mr. Perfect. I'm sorry I'm human and make mistakes. I'm sorry I'm captain when you wanted to be. I didn't ask for any of this, Lydia. I'm just trying to help. 
We can't all be as smart as you. Oh, stop with the pity party. It didn't take a genius to see that trusting the doctor was a bad idea. It also didn't take a Mr. Perfect to be honest with your team. I'd rather you be honest and make mistakes than be sneaky and try to do everything yourself. I'm worried about putting you guys in danger. I hate that I have to make the calls all the time, especially when everyone's necks are on the line. You have no idea how stressful this is. It's insane. I don't know what I'm doing 99% of the time. Lydia sat down next to him and let out a long breath. <sighs> I'm sorry you feel so much pressure. For the record, I don't care about being captain. Not anymore. And we don't look to you for guidance because you're the captain, Doug. We look to you because you're a good leader. You care about others. You're humble. You're a good problem solver. You're freakishly handsome. Lydia laughed. I don't know about freakishly, but you do all right in that department as well. Doug took Lydia by the hand. I'm sorry I wasn't honest. I'm sorry for interrupting, came a voice in the darkness. Doug and Lydia nearly had a heart attack. Someone's in here? Doug tried to see into the shadows. An African girl stepped into the light. You both sound like you know what is going on. Have you come to save us? Us? Lydia looked past the girl into the shadows and saw dozens of kids huddled together. Her eyes widened. The prospective students. Doug, I, I saw this. This was part of my vision. She turned to him and smiled in disbelief. We're supposed to be here. Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Space Tran. Things are getting crazy. Two more episodes left of this season. Whew, thanks for hanging in there. It's uh, This has been a fun season. I've really enjoyed this one, so I hope you guys are having fun too. And I love the Rocketeer art I've seen out there. Check it out on Instagram, the Purple Rocket Instagram page. We are sharing some of your artwork and creations based on these episodes and characters. Check it out. Feel free to share your own creations by tagging the Purple Rocket on Instagram. Parents, that's for parents. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And above all, share these stories with your friends, Rocketeers. That's the best thing you could do. Friends and family, share these episodes. I'm going to read one review here. I'm going to assume this was supposed to be five out of five stars. Uh, it's titled Awesome. And it says, our whole family loves your podcast stories. It's amazing how creative you are. Have you written books too? 
I'd read those. These podcasts are so cool, exciting, informative, and educational. My five boys, 13 to two months old, love listening to your awesome voices. Been listening since November, and we are addicted. Woo! Five boys. You got me beat. You got me beat. We have four kids, two boys and two girls, five boys. That is like, oh, that is awesome. I bet you guys have uh, a pretty exciting household over there. Awesome. Whoever you are, LRFT Sam. Okay, let me see. LRFT Sam. That's your title name in this review. That makes me think of like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Any of you out there have seen that? It's like, it's a classic. It's like a web family favorite classic movie. It's just so, the music and it's so classic. But I just think of those like gruff boys living in the mountains. So uh, that's what I just pictured. A bunch of gruff boys in plaid shirts. (laughs) Or you might have some in princess dresses. I'm not going to say who, but we definitely have one of those boys in our house that loves the dresses more than his sister. So uh, you might have a fun mix there. Thank you so much for that review. And to answer that question, if it was a question, is there are printed book versions of the first few seasons of The Purple Rocket that I believe you could find on Amazon. You'll have to go check. I think like the first season of Grandpa's Globe, Space Train, Winglings, and shoot, I'm not sure. Oh, Winnie and the Pixie Knots. I think you could find those on there and have a physical copy and read along while you're listening to the podcast. It's actually known to improve literacy doing that. I don't have really any separate books. Uh, It's kind of a lie. I've written one story, and it's honestly my favorite story I've ever written. And um, I'm not going to say too much about it because there is a lot of – it's the first story. This is the first book I'd uh, ever written, first story. This was – 13, 14 years ago, I wrote this and I, it's huge. It's like, I don't know, four or 500 pages. It's like 30 chapters. I would love to turn it into a podcast and edit it to make it better. Cause I'm sure the writing's terrible. There are things I need to just change and edit. My goal is to eventually turn that into a podcast, but there's a lot of action in it. And, um, so I'm thinking maybe at some point, maybe I'll do like a, a purple rocket teen, or something. It's not bad. It's not like a bad show, but it's, you know, it's a little more intense and it, it kind of fits the story. So I've thought about, ooh, should I water this down and make it one of the podcast stories for, for the Purple Rocket audio adventures for kids? I just, I wasn't sure if I would just, I don't know, if it wouldn't be the same. So maybe down the road I would do like Purple Rocket Teen, but that doesn't exist yet or whatever. And I'm not, anyway, whatever. Parents, you can write me and let me know what you think of that idea. This is, I'm, I don't ever want to have any profanity or anything. I want these things to be family friendly, these stories, but there are some stories where they might feel a little more intense and a little more scary, where maybe like 11 and up, it'd be a little more appropriate for just because of the intensity, you know, like, I don't know. Write me, parents. Let me know what you think, because I, I I am sitting on this story, and I'm trying to think of the best way to release it in the most appropriate way possible. And I know some rocketeers out there, you're kind of aging up, you know, and, and the stories, you're you're able to comprehend more complex plots. You know, you don't get as scared if there's like an action sequence. I'd never want to scare my listeners ever. But yeah, so I know some of these rocketeers are getting a little older. They've been listening since the beginning of the show, and I wonder if it would be appropriate to maybe release that story at some point. I don't know. Parents, write me an email. Let me know what your thoughts are and what you think the best way to do that would be because I wouldn't 
even when it launches, I think I'd probably just send an email out to parents. I want to be very careful with how I notify the older listeners and parents. So anyway, Purple Rocket, just keep listening to the Purple Rocket, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there down the road. But that's a long-winded way of answering that question. Yes, I guess I've technically written something else, but I'm not releasing it. Yet, I've sat on it for a long time, and I'll let you know what my plans are with that story when the time comes. So, anyway, great feedback. Thank you so much. Thank you all who are reaching out on email. Thank you so much to the patrons. Oh, man, the patrons out there, they're really helping me get some assistance with editing the audio. Uh, It's been so great. So, thank you so much. Any Rocketeers that want to support the show can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And support the show for whatever you can. It's it, every level. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. So thank you so much. And thank you, Mom, Roxanne Webb, for being my editor, looking over the story, cleaning it up. And for Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit the audio. Till next time, Rocketeers, this is your host, Greg Webb.